Dear Broadies, before I get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th, 2022 Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the right to have a safe and legal abortion in the United States. Everyone should have the freedom to decide what's best for themselves and their families, including when it comes to ending a pregnancy. This decision has dire consequences for individual health and safety, and could have harsh repercussions for other landmark decisions in this country. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans and people who live in America. Learn more by visiting choice.crd.co. That's choice.crd.co. If you're able to support others, please consider donating to abortion funds. You can find a list of where to donate in each state at donationsforabortion.com. That's donations, the number four, abortion.com. I have personally started donating to states where trigger laws go into effect immediately. Remember, even if you can only spend $1 or $5, that helps. There are things we can do to fight this, and it is going to take continued focus and community support. So I encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. I'm not going to limit the ability for somebody to help me because I used to think if I can't hire you with full benefits and vacation and full-time hours that you would never want to work for me. And it's not fair to ask that of you. But really, people, people can tell you what they do and don't want. You have to give them the chance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pod Broads. This is a podcast about women in podcasting, and I'm your host, Alexandra Cole. Welcome back, my broadies. Thank you so much again for being here and spending your time with me this week. I am not going to lie to you. This past week has been a rough one. It was just one of those weeks where I was having a tougher time getting a handle on my spiral thoughts and reframing them into not just something more productive, but something more true. I often come back to this quote who I can't tell you who originally said it. I know I saw it somewhere on the Instagram interwebs, but it essentially says that not everything your mind tells you is true. And it is such an important thing to remember. And it's something I sometimes forget, but I always find my way back to it, especially if you have anxiety and depression like me, or if you experience other types of mental health challenges that may fall outside of those two categories. You also know that this can be a hard thing, but when you can remember it, it definitely helps. But anyway, my motivation has been down and my energy has been down and basically depression and anxiety is just being a bitch, you know? And I especially wanted to share what was going on with me, with you this week, because it directly relates to how freaking awesome my guest for today's episode is. Before I started editing this episode, I had to pull my body into my chair and force my brain to focus. Now, I love editing, but when I have so much on my mind and I'm dealing with so much emotionally, it can be hard to sit down and do it. So this time when I started editing and got to listen back to this episode, I kid you not, it was such a game changer for that day. I walked away feeling so much more centered, inspired, and calmed, all thanks to my guest Twyla Dang. So let me tell you a little bit about Twyla. I was first introduced to her work probably on Twitter, but I attended an online session of one of her women in podcasting sessions slash meetups 
which she mentions later on in this episode. And it was when I was building Podgerland, the early stages, and was really getting immersed in the podcasting space. And I was so thrilled to see that the space she was cultivating for women was just like full of people where I was just like, ah, yes, my people. And she does these often once a month sessions as a part of her company, Matriarch Digital Media, of which she is the CEO and founder. And she has hosted podcasts such as Twilight and Natalie and the Gynocast. And she recently created a BIPOC Women in Podcasting survey that is going to help our industry become a way more inclusive and equitable space. So basically, she's doing a lot of cool shit. And I learn a lot from her. And I just always want to point everyone into the direction of what she's doing, especially if you are in podcasting. During our conversation, she shares about being bullied as a young girl and how that was formative in her storytelling and speaking skills. She talks about her background in broadcast media, what prompted her creation of Matriarch, and the need for more mentorship in podcasting. We also get into why it is important to let people help you, what happens when you ask the universe for something that you're prepared to receive, and how podcasting has impacted her experience as a mother and in parenting her children. You'll definitely want to listen through to the end so you don't miss the terrible yet hilarious story about what happened to her on an airplane tarmac and the invaluable tips she has for other folks in leadership positions. <sighs> I am just so excited for you to hear it all, and I was so honored to have Twyla on the Pod Broads. So remember that we love hearing from you. Tell me what you think of the episode after you listen. You can reach me on Twitter or Instagram or email me directly at podgerland at gmail.com. And now you're going to hear just why it is so perfect that Twyla is now officially a guest on the Pod Broads. I know exactly how I want to start off today because you are someone that has come up on this podcast before. You've been mentioned as someone no that way. yes, that uh, when I had when I had Mala on, she named you as one of her podcast mentor emulate type people in the industry. And uh, you may have come up on another episode too, but you've you've been around, so people have heard your name. But this is the first time they're going to get to actually hear from you directly. So I'm very excited. And I have to say one more thing: you are someone. When I first entered the industry, I literally have no idea when I first initially found you. It was probably through Twitter. But when I found you, I was like, oh, this is perfect because you were someone else doing exactly what I'm all about and what I'm trying to do and like have positive impact with women in the industry. So I've just been so excited and obsessed since. And we've heard each other speak on Clubhouse, but this is the first time we're seeing each other's faces. So I know. Yay. (laughs) I'm very excited about that. I People don't understand. I am. Um, it's funny because I tell people I'm an introvert and they don't believe me. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm very comfortable once I know you, then it's like it's all love or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then audio setting, it's a little bit less intimidating. Yeah, if we were actually like face to face. Um, it like when it's a small contained group or like mm-hmm. one person, I'm and I know you at all, then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to see you. I we would have been hugging already. Yeah. But if we were like, say, in a group of like 30, I would probably be like hiding in the bathroom and waiting for people to like show up and you know usher me in. I'd be like, where's where's my friends? Where yeah. are my friends? And yeah. then I'd be like, okay, let's go, let's go. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I can understand. I'm like someone who's right on the cusp. I always forget I'm like 49, 51, something like introvert. Extra I don't know which one's more, but 
I have those moments as well, just not as strongly. I can't claim that as my full experience. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm <laughs> I, when they made up that word ambivert and made my whole day. I was like, oh yay! I'm awkward, but I still get energy from people, and that's all you need. To yes, know. energy from the right people. That's like I feel like the introverts like true thing you know yeah a good introvert I see I get it I get it from all people but I'm also an Aries so that usually usually means it's either I'm getting along with you or I'm spoiling for a fight so one or the one or the other we're going we're going I love it okay well we've started to get into this a little bit already but let's take a moment so that you can intro yourself as who you are outside of your work which we already know now you're an Aries and an introvert and then in your work what it is you do who you are in that uh well thank you um I'm Twyla Dang uh I'm the founder and CEO of Matriarch Digital Media we a women-centered, women-focused media company. Our primary platform is Podcast Network, um, but we also will eventually branch out and do other things that center the experience of women. Uh, we have a very simple goal. We were we uh, aspire to change the way the well. Okay, I gotta stop saying it like that because I've been told before. <laughs> don't say it like you're gonna do it. Say it like you do it, and I okay. do it. Um, you know, we're changing the way the world talks to and talks to women and girls. Yeah. Talks to and talks about women and girls period. So that's, that's what we do every single day. Um, I'm also, um, I'm also still a day player. Um, I have a producer, I'm a news producer at Minnesota Public Radio, and I make a podcast for American public media called Small Change Money Stories from the Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Great. Thank you. And I definitely want to get into matriarch. But often what I like to do first is to go back in time a little bit. Uh, you can kind of decide how far back you want to go. But well, I'm very old, so <laughs> be careful. I don't know about Barry. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say um, just like what are some of the key points in your history? I guess we'll just frame it that way. What are some of like two or three key points in the history of your experience that you feel like really set you up for the work that you're doing today? Okay, that's I think that's pretty easy because I think they've never really changed. Um, okay. When I was nine years old, I used to live in Pennsylvania. I was born in Detroit. My mom's from Pittsburgh, and that's kind of where we wound up for a while. Okay. And I used to get chased home from school every single day by a bully. And if she caught me, she threw me directly in garbage. Oh so my God. this is now, mind you, this is the 80s when there weren't <laughs> trash cans. It was just you just put your bags out on the curb and then they grabbed them. So if she caught me. It was it was lights out. Um, and my mother would get mad because she would catch me and then my school clothes would get messed up. Aww. And my mom said to me, you know, more $15 words than anybody I know. You should at least be able to confuse her and get a head start. I love and that. I took that to heart and I started <laughs> doing that and I would give myself a pretty good head start. And she stopped being able to catch me as often. I also kind of started to grow and get faster at the same time. <laughs> um, so that kind of cemented that I um, I'm a storyteller. Uh, not just because I like to tell stories, but also for self-preservation. <laughs> so you get really good at it once you learn how to use it as a mechanism. Mm -hmm. um, I think the second thing that wound up launching this out is I became someone's mother. I had my first son, um, my first child, which was a son, when I was 29. And at that point in my life, I wasn't a very... Um, I would say I'm, I was a reformed pessimist at that point because mm -hmm. I was a person, if you said, you know, is the glass half full or half empty? I would say it's half empty. There's a crack in it and the water's spilling on the table. <laughs> and I realized when I had my son, I didn't want to actually model that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't necessarily know how to stop modeling it, but I did know that I wanted to. So I started to actively just sort of surrender to the idea that 
hey, if you do it differently, he's going to see something different. Um, and then I wound up having two other children, one 17 months behind the first one, and then one a few years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I mean, I would say categorically, biologically, they changed my thinking. Um, and then the act of modeling it for them made me more confident, made me start thinking very specifically, what kind of world do I want them to be able to see? And mm-hmm. what world do I want them to see reflected in you know, the person that they spend the most time with? Yeah. Um, and then the third catalyst was um, getting a job in radio. So I have my, my college degrees in psychology and sociology. I've always said it just makes me fun to talk to at parties. <laughs> Never really used it as a career. Um, you know, it was very much a like you, you work for a job, you pay off debt kind of a person. Mm-hmm. And um, I happened to be at lunch with some of my good girlfriends. Everybody else was going back to work because their children were school age. And I had had a bonus baby. So I was still at home. <laughs> And I made a joke. Uh, I said, uh, I'm so glad I know all these professional women because the only thing I'm really good at is talking. And nobody pays me to do that. And we <laughs> laughed. And uh, one of the women at the table, who is a very good friend of mine, um, who honestly changed the trajectory of my life, um, she called me like two weeks later and said, you made that joke at a party at, at the at the luncheon. I don't think it was funny. And then it occurred to me, she's a radio host. Mm-hmm. And it sounded it might have sounded like I was making fun of her. Oh, and I was like, yeah. no, 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 I wasn't. She goes, no, 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 I, it's it's not that it's I think it's not funny because I think you'd be really good at this. And she said she wanted to introduce me to her boss. And she did. She introduced me to her boss, who was the program director at a talk radio station here in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. And um, seven months later, I was on the air. That's and she changed. Yeah, she changed my so entire cool. life. Yeah, <laughs> that's so crazy. So when you when you first walked, it sounds like when you first walked into that role, was that just, did it feel totally natural or what, was there any type no. of, oh, okay. Okay. So then let's hear about, cause I'm like, cause I hear you telling it and I'm like, yeah, it does feel like it's so perfect. Like that must've just felt so right, but let's hear about that. No. Then. So here's the thing. Um, uh, you, you'd ask me, we sometimes, we, sometimes folks, when y'all should know how the sausage gets made. Sometimes we talk a little before we do these interviews and mm-hmm. I was having mic problems. So we got a chance to talk. Um, <laughs> But uh, so I I didn't in our family, this wasn't really a career path, right? Like so doing these types of jobs felt foreign to our family. Nobody understood them. So Mm -hmm. when I came home and said, oh, I have this job, I got this offer to maybe have this job in radio. Even my mom was like, if you go to the interview and it's just like a big empty warehouse or something, don't go in there, baby. It's not that might not be a real job. Right. And mind you, I'm in my like late 30s at this point. Um, So the first day on air, I was terrible. Like, I didn't know to project my voice. I didn't mm-hmm. know how, I didn't understand that my natural talking voice when you can't see my face is deep, is very deep and very low. Mm-hmm. So if I'm just talking the way I would talk to you, like this is my normal gist, I'm going to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I sound like I hate everything and I don't want to be here. Um, so <laughs> I didn't understand how to watch the clock, yeah. you know, like to make sure you're hitting commercial breaks. Mm-hmm. So we got to the first um I think it was either the first or second commercial break and my cell phone rang and it was my sister. And my younger sister actually went to school for broadcasting. She doesn't, she didn't use the degree, but she went to school for it. (laughs) And she's like, okay, you sound terrible. Somebody needs to turn your mic up. You need to, like, she just started instructing. And she's like, go take this phone into the, where the producer is. And so I take it to the producer and she's like, okay, she's new to this. She doesn't know what she's doing. You need to pump her mic all the way up. Because she needs help, mm-hmm. and then she, and then like and then I go to sit back down, and she goes, "Listen, you just need to chill out and do this. Just 
Like, you know what you're doing. You know more of this useless information than anybody. Just talk. Mm. Don't worry about it. Just talk. And um, that I made it through that show. And I would say for the first four months, every week I didn't get fired was like, I didn't get fired. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and the nice thing about radio is they let you be bad for a while. Hmm. And then they start teaching you how to be good. Um, and I only realized recently that it's not that they let you be bad. It's that they let you get comfortable. Mm. Because you can't just... Very rarely can you just jump into that mechanism with all of the moving parts yeah. and know how to like just be sparkling. You got to you got to learn how the whole mechanism works before we can teach you specifics on how to run it. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm having so many like thoughts right now, but I'll start with do you feel like that's the same in podcasting or do you feel like it's a little different? Um, I feel like I wish there was more specific mentorship in podcasting because mm -hmm. What happens is people wind up having that sort of bad, comfortable period last a lot longer than it needs to mm -hmm. because they don't have people that they can go to or networks that they can tap into to say, hey, um, you have to like, you know, like simple things like, hey, um, you're really percussive when you talk. Don't talk directly into your microphone. Turn your microphone to the side and talk past it. Mm. Um, or, hey, do you know what the decibel setting should be on your recorder? Because it, your your recordings always sound a little sharp. Let's yeah. figure out what that number should be at. Or even simple things like, hey, I know you and your best friend love talking about like everything, but you shouldn't <laughs> spend 40 minutes talking about everything. Like, let's right. figure out what you should talk about for 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people just don't they just don't have that. I mean, imagine it's kind of the it's kind of a beautiful thing in podcasting in that it, it's there aren't all these gatekeepers keeping you from making content. Mm -hmm. But what people learn, I think the thing the hardest thing to understand in podcasting is recording something is not the same as making something yeah right it's you're recording you can anybody can turn on a recorder and record their voice saying words yeah it's different to be able to make a compelling thing or to make a structured thing mm -hmm. and a lot of us just don't we still don't know how to tap into that in terms of the learning yeah yeah definitely it's kind of like the difference between when it becomes art and when it's just literally an archive of your voice Yes, very much so. And and the and the thing is, you don't want to discourage people because usually the process of learning how to take something and make it into art is something that you seek out in terms of educating yourself or going to a program mm -hmm. or enrolling in something, paying for a class. When you're just doing it and you're feeling comfortable and you think, well, I feel comfortable. This is working out pretty good. And then somebody wants to sort of interject and go, um, but sir or ma'am, um, that you know, that can be tough to even absorb if you're not. It's like it's the idea of like, is it um, is it constructive criticism if I didn't ask you for it? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Right? Yeah, I'm thinking of the the article that you wrote for like about ad tech for mm -hmm. Sounds Profitable. There was like that line in there that you were talking about this about. OK, it's great there. Again, there's not a lot of gatekeeping. There's resources that you can find for free, but that's only good to a certain point until it's like we need more actual programs that are like making this accessible and helping people who are coming in that have a lot of barriers to entry. Right. There should be pipeline. I mean, if you want to go into television, there are schools you can go into and programs you can major in and certificates you can receive to work in different areas of broadcasting there's same thing for journalism same thing now for social media and the internet podcasting is going to have to have some of those mechanisms um, develop um, mm -hmm. you know as the years go on um, because 
you can't ask people to try to work at a high level and not have the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you do, we're just it's just going to continue to be the same sort of gatekeeping structure where now people are migrating from those other media formats and going, OK, well, now we're going to make podcasts. Yeah. And then you're like, but what about us? You're like, we want to make <laughs> we want to still make stuff, too. We want to get better at making stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm it's great to hear that you had like that big learning curve just when you were like entering radio because oftentimes like literally what my reaction was was like well I see you and I feel like you're so like comfortable at this and like thriving in the work that you're doing and so I always love hearing the points of like where we all really struggle and have growing pains along the way. Well, and I feel like that's important that we need to like be really transparent about that. I I think I try really hard to be transparent. Like y'all don't know this or I don't know how to do this. Yeah. Um, Because that's, I think that's part of how we all grow in it. Um, And it's actually how we all figure out, you know, how to solve each other's pain points. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, there are certain things I'm really good at. um, And there's other things that I'm just woefully inadequate at. And (laughs) I will, and if I don't know something over the, you know, I would say, especially since the pandemic started, um, I've been super fortunate that I've connected with so many people that I now know who the, you know, I now have relationships with people that I can say, oh, hey, Brian, um, I have a tech question or ad tech question. Can you answer that for me? Um, If you don't know anything else about me in the last two years, you know, I have worried Barry up to no end asking her like marketing and, uh, you know, (laughs) um, ideation questions about how to get your podcast visible in front of people. Um, You know, but that's that's part of this is we have to like figure out one how to tap into these networks two how to develop these networks within your own you know groups of people that you're connecting with online because some of this is shared learning right Mm -hmm. some of this is we we all get together and say best practices what do you know what do you know and we put it together and then we come up with a solution yeah exactly and so let's let's go back to matriarch and really get into that in terms of its growth so do you remember the moment you decided this was going to be a thing and kind of how long from idea to actual like launch creation was that? Um, okay. So I know exactly the moment. Uh, it <laughs> You're so good was, at that. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately it. it was, yeah, unfortunately it's not a, it's like one of those memories where you go, Oh yeah, I remember that. That felt kind of crappy. Um, so at the time I was a 40 year old black mom who married mom who lived in the suburbs working at weekends at a radio station and the radio station kept having opportunities for, you know, like positions open on like the daytime shows, which is where the real money gets made. There is like the drive time shows. Mm. And I kept asking to audition and I would get, you know, passed over and ignored because it's not usually the demo that you want. It's usually the demo you would like to have. And everybody knows in most mainstream media, 18 to 24 is the demo. So I was watching them bring in, you know, students and recent grads and really lovely young, pretty white girls to interview for jobs. And I wasn't getting any shot. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me like, okay, well, I can, you know, you can have one of two things. You could be either upset about this or you could just recognize that not everything is for you. And you got to figure out what's going to happen next. I mean, it was it was great as an opportunity. I learned a ton. Um, I, it put me on a new career path. And mm-hmm. then I had to decide, okay, well, what do you want to do with this? Um, at the same time, the company I worked for had just made a substantial investment in Podcast One. So I was just learning about podcasting really for the first time and saying, wait, what is this? And how does it work? 
and I I tend to be a um as I'm finding out as a as a mild sidebar um when your child gets not diagnosed with uh, ADD or ADHD mm-hmm. sometimes you have you figure out genetically where it comes from because it's usually <laughs> passed down yeah and so the more they were talking to her the more it was like oh. Oh, that's, oh, I do that. (laughs) Um, And so one of the things I've always done is hyper, hyper focus. Mm. Uh, So if I'm interested in something, I start researching it and I don't stop until I'm really satiated with information. And podcasting became something I became deeply fascinated with. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't get enough information. I couldn't get enough stuff. And it was starting to, it was starting to turn in my brain is like, hey, wait a minute. I know I think women deserve more because I feel like I'm being treated this way because I'm old and old or older and not as relevant to this particular organization. But that's not accurate to my experience. Mm-hmm. I It was the most confident I had ever felt. Um, I had actually, you know, created actual human beings. So I was pretty much, you know, I pretty much decided and declared myself a superhero <laughs> from the second I, I made a human. Amazing. Um, and I knew there was just more. I knew there was. And then I started to put the two together. Like, this is how you feel. I'm sure other women feel this way. And I'm researching this mechanism that will actually let me talk to those women directly mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense. I hadn't quite understood how it all comes together. I just knew I was kind of mad about it. And I wanted better for us. And so I started sort of soapboxing the way that I do um, to people like, hey, you know, women deserve more and grown women deserve more and we deserve to have conversations. And I soapboxed for like a good two months and happened to say it in front of one individual, like on a you know random night where I was just like fed up with it. Mm-hmm. And I stopped and said, OK, I'm sorry, I'll get off my soapbox. And he looked at me and said, I think that's a fantastic idea. And if you're serious about doing it, I'd invest in it. And uh, seven months later, because uh, it took us about that long to come up with a contract, of, like an actual ironclad contract structure, mm-hmm. he helped fund the business. And um, I became the majority equity partner and he became a silent partner. Mm-hmm. And we had an equity. We had a third equity partner at the time. We don't anymore. Okay. Um, but it just turned into, you know, it all of a sudden it became, wait, this could be a real thing. And I went and told my husband, hey, I need like six months. If I can't make any money on this in six months without touching like the house funds, mm-hmm. um, I'll go find a job, you know, somewhere else. Cause we had kids and we had college and things that we were going to be paying for. Right. Um, and within six months we had secured our first sponsorships and they were a significant enough amount of money that we were able to fund um, launching five podcasts off the ground. Wow. Yeah. And we've been going ever since this is, will be this summer will be six full years in business. Oh my gosh. Well, congrats almost to six years. That's so exciting. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. What month exactly is it? Do you have um, August? Ooh. Yeah, it's actually okay. So here's the, here's the weird nerdy thing about the way that um, the universe works. Yeah. Um, I have, I used to, I used to be like, again, a pessimist. So I didn't actually think, you know, that you could work at a job you love. And I didn't think that, things lined up the way that they're supposed to when you need them to. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we had, it took us an entire year of making product before we released anything. Yeah. And the, we wound up saying, let's, let's pick a day in August. Let's get started. Everything's done. There's no reason for us to wait. And we picked a date and we started like putting everything together. And it wasn't until I started quite literally loading it up to the platforms to go out that I realized that the date was my best friend's birthday. So it's August 28th. Oh my God. Amazing. Wait, so does yeah. that make your, does that make your company a Leo or is it not a Leo? Because I'm a Leo, and um, I'm like, is the no, company a Leo? Tech, tech, no, <laughs> technically, technically, my company is a Virgo, oh, and that Virgo. makes perfect sense. Okay, because it is far more organized than I am, and it drives me crazy all the time. Oh, 
Amazing. I love it. Well, I am so glad that you brought up two pieces. The piece of being someone who is building something that's going to affect other people right away around them if it doesn't come through. Like, I think that that's something that when I have conversations with fellow creatives, that's something that has to be at the forefront of these conversations because sometimes there's the people that can't make that happen because they don't have the right support system or like, you know, it's just there's more happening that they have to pay attention to. And I really resonate with a bit about being a pessimist because I used to really be in that same boat too. And what's weird is the more I've done what I'm doing now, the more opportunities there's been for the world to show me that this shit can work out in a way that hits so many good points that you actually wanted to, but we've been told as a society that it's not possible unless you're like super rich. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. I believe like when I say, um, how how often how scary it is when I say oh I'm I'm really ready for something and I put it out there in the world and the universe provides that's not that has not been my experience as an adult Mm -hmm. or as a human um, up until very recently and every I would say the most ordered my steps have ever been is in commission of this business Mm -hmm. and every time I really say I really truly need something and I'm open to it I'm ready to receive it it mm-hmm. shows up for me lightning fast, like to the point where I get a little scared about like, okay, this isn't, this is a little too like, a little too hold woo-woo. on. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, um, I hadn't like even, I couldn't afford like employees. Yeah. You know, the first four years I get, we would pay freelancers, but I couldn't afford to bring anybody in on the administrative side. Yeah. And in the middle of the pandemic, I was like, the only way we're going to survive this is if I get a little bit of help. And really kind of try to go balls to the wall on some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I had said to a friend and mentor of mine, okay, I'm, I'm ready for, you know, I'm, I'm going to go look for an employee. I'm going to look for somebody that can, I'm, I'm not going to limit the ability for somebody to help me. Because I used to think if I can't hire you with full benefits and vacation and full-time hours that you would never want to work for me. And it's not fair to ask that of you. But really, people... People can tell you what they do and don't want. You have to give them the chance. And so I said this out loud. And uh, 48 hours later, 48 hours later, um, in my LinkedIn, um, a message showed up, completely cold message, somebody I'd never met. And she had said, "Um, I heard about your company from a friend. Uh, I was laid off from my job. I really believe in what you're doing. I would love to know if there's an opportunity for me to work for you for free. Wow. And just so I can learn. And I was like, okay, this is weird. And then I was going to immediately tell her like, no, I, I don't do that. And I don't let people work for free. Like I would have just dismissed it. And then I thought, okay, you just said you're open for something. Open her resume. Mm-hmm. Go talk to her. I opened her resume, went to talk to her. She was so impressive. And I had to tell her, I said, listen, I don't, I just don't have the money to bring you on full time, but I, I refuse to not pay you to work. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, so what do you need to live right now? Like, are you working at all? What do you need? And she was like, well, you know, I'm looking for a job. And I said, okay, well, let me, let me make a couple calls. So I called some friends and said, okay, you know, we all said we need like help. Um, I have this, I, I met this woman. She's, she's terrific. Um, I, you know, on paper, she looks great. Talking to her is even better. I can do about 15 hours a week. Can somebody else pitch in? Mm. And we wound up being able to all like pool our resources and get her like close to full time so that she could actually work for me and for some other people. And it changed not just the business, Mm -hmm. but it changed my life because she helped bring she has 
she has the good right side of the brain that, yeah. you know, that doesn't work with my, where, where mine doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to say, oh, I'd really like to see this happen. And she makes these things happen. You know, I'd really like to keep my schedule more organized. She, or, like, she's actually helped me build in so I can have time off from work, yeah. which I don't normally get to do. None of that would have happened if I hadn't, like, said wholeheartedly I'm ready to do this for the good of myself and the business mm-hmm. and it felt like every time I've genuinely said that like from my whole chest yeah. the universe says okay here you go that's so cool I'm I was like grinning ear to ear when you said the thing about uh you know don't limit someone's ability to help you or like drive to want to help you because I was thinking back to how I wrote like wrote down that exact quote from a clubhouse room that I was listening to you speaking. And I was like, I'm so glad she's saying this on the podcast right now. It's such a good like nugget. Like I heard that and I was like, Oh, cause it's something that it's something that my boyfriend's grandparents have said to him. I can't remember if it was grandma or grandpa, but you know, sometimes they'll want to like gift him something or like send Mm -hmm. a little money. And he's like, no, like stop. And then one of them was just like, I want to do this. Don't stop me from like, take that blessing. That's what it is. His grandma normally says, take take that blessing. blessing. Yeah. And I was like, that's been such a also learning curve for me too. And I try and think about that. And I am curious for you, you talk about this shift that happened and now many moments have followed where it seems like the universe is now giving you those blessings that you're asking for. Do you remember if, do you remember which came first? Do you feel like you were in a place in your life where you were starting to already shift that mindset or did something happen that then gave you more faith to believe in that mindset? Um, yeah, the shift, the shift came first and the shift genuinely started when I, when I had my son and I wanted to be better in the world. Mm-hmm. So that, I think that made me, I think that just, I, I just feel like it changed my entire, you know, chemistry mm-hmm. um, because I didn't automatically think, nothing good can happen here. I didn't, I stopped automatically thinking that everything was suspicious and nothing, you know, nothing could work out the way you want it to work out. Um, I stopped thinking things were just luck Mm -hmm. because I used to think, you know, like I used to think my husband was the luckiest man in the world (laughs) because he would always just get what he wanted. And then I realized, no, he was just always the person who was working really hard and he was right there ready for any opportunity that came. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't me because I was always so discombobulated and thinking bad things are going to happen and sort of, you know, that trajectory of um, like when you're bad, it's like you trip on a step and when you can't catch yourself, you just keep falling down the steps. Yeah. That was me mentally for a really long time. Mm. And um, like I said, I I always say the the gift, the true gift that my kids gave me, because it's still, I mean, the coolest job I'm ever really going to have is being their mom. (laughs) Um, But the true gift they gave me was the ability to just go, you get to decide how all of this works. Because I used to think it was outside of me. And I realized when they came, it's not outside of you. You can decide, I'm going to have more happy days than unhappy days. I can decide that I'm going to, that the only thing that's going to limit my ability to try my best is me. Not what you think of me, not what you tell me about myself not what you tell me that that girls or black girls or old girls can get (laughs) or have none of those things apply all of those things and the thing is it's not intellectually I knew that I'm a psychology and sociology major intellectually I knew that emotionally and internally I didn't right I I had I had just bought I had just drank all of the terrible Kool-Aid of what kind of sad small life I was supposed to have Mm. and um you know and then I met my kid and I wanted him to have the entire access to the universe and that meant I had to get out of the way (laughs) hearing you talk about motherhood makes me 
really excited about it. And it's something I've been grappling with, but I, I just love hearing you speak about it. So I wanted to say that. Hey friends, just a brief pause from this conversation so I can tell you about The Wave Podcasting. The Wave is a company that helps women grow their podcasts so they can build an audience and get paid. They offer educational resources and a digital community of which I am a part of and have gotten to meet some pretty dope women and get some great tips along the way. Plus, the founder, Lauren Popish, is a huge reason I have been able to start this podcast. She helped me find the perfect recording equipment for my setup and just get really comfortable with jumping in for the first time. And here's what's cool. They have a free mini guide that will help you kickstart your podcast growth strategy that you can download today by going to the show notes to find the link to their website. And when you're ready, you can purchase a complete guide to podcasting and use my code PODRALAND, P-O-D-D-R-A-L-A-N-D-10 to get 10% off the total cost. So ladies, come podcast. Okay, one more important PSA. Here's my challenge for you. Take a screenshot right now of this episode and share on social media with a tag to Podgerland and the guest. I want to know that you're listening and I want to shout you out. Also, are you signed up for Podgerland's email list yet? Because as much as I love social media and connecting through there, I'm also preparing for its demise and I want to make sure that I stay in touch with you and we have control over our communication. Not only will you get important updates about this show, you'll get recommendations of other women-hosted podcasts, news related to podcasters you love, discounts on my cute-ass merch, and much more. Okay, let's get back into this interview. You talk a lot about how your kids and being a mother has kind of impacted the work that you decided to dive into, the way that you've kind of framed your work. And now almost six years in, how do you feel like this work with Matriarch and specifically in podcasting? Because I know at least for me, like since being in podcasting and being surrounded by the women in podcasting, my life and outlook on the world has changed. And so I wonder how podcasting and being in this world has impacted you as a mother, if at all, if you feel like it has. Um, it, I think it has. Um, I think in a lot of ways, it makes me more, it makes me definitely more thoughtful. I'm a better listener than I was before. Mm. Um, and my kids will probably tell you I still talk too much. But, um, <laughs> but I definitely wasn't much of a listener in the beginning. It was a, because I felt like I had to instruct you in the world and I had to teach you how to do things in the world. And then, you know, kids reach a point where they need to be able to push back from you and express themselves and, you know, and become the people they're going to become because you don't get to keep them. They're they're on loan to you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest things for us, uh, my husband and I had always said we wanted to, you know, parent differently than our parents parented in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a reflection on them being bad parents. It's just you start when you're young, you think, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it like this. And you're just going to address like whatever your pain point is by doing the opposite of your pain point. And then you actually do the work and it's like, oh, no, this isn't easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could, you know, the someone told me once, the distance between a serial killer and a solid citizen is inches, not miles. Yeah. And that just made me think, okay, I got to, I got to, you know, be on my game here. Um, and honestly, podcasting has done a couple of things. One, it kind of taught my, it helped teach my kids that there's more to their mother than being their mother, mm. um, which was significant. Um, and 
it's seeing that I I get to see that play out. I like I sometimes can hear my teenage daughter tell people, oh, my mom's a you know, my mom is an entrepreneur. She owns a podcast company. And, you know, like my son might think what I do is super lame, you know, sometimes, <laughs> but he but he also knows that, you know, that both of his parents have, you know, career, tra- tra- you know, career trajectory. And that, and that we have two different, very different paths. Like my husband's a pragmatist. He's very practical in how he chose his profession and the ability to monetize his profession. Mm -hmm. And I, my kids have watched me kind of go from, you know, like explore different things and have things pan out and sometimes not pan out. And they know it's, they can see that it's not easy for me. It's not just, oh, we're rolling in dough. It's not Mm -hmm. like that. Um, But they do get to see that I am equally ambitious and equally passionate to what, you know, in in this creative field that I'm in, where their dad's in the medical field. So they're getting to see it from both perspectives. Um, And it's even helped... I feel like it's even helped our our family dynamic. I mean, up until the pandemic, my daughters helped run women in podcasting. They were they were oh, front yeah? of the house. I was back of the house. Uh, we would amazing. they would show up and you know they would they'd usher people in and take them to the right floor and they would do all the name tags and you know all that great stuff. And my son's been a roadie more times than he'd like. You know, loading up the van and you know when we needed to go do recordings. And even right now, we're recording in my house. There's a sign mm-hmm. on my door that says "recording." Everybody is put on notice. They're all off the internet for the next hour. You know. <laughs> So, um, you know, they've, I feel like it's changed a lot of, um, I just think it, it, it was important in a way that my parents weren't able to do for me that I was, that my kids can see me as a person and yeah. not just as their parent. And I don't think it, I, I won't be high minded enough to say I intended that. It's just been a happy accident of the whole process. Yeah. Well, and as someone who's in a younger generation and learning from what I feel like your generation is now able to share with us. That's like such an important piece that's so important to me before I go and have children. I'm like, I want to make sure that I'm still able to hold on to me separate from that and then also integrate that identity into my life. And I feel like that's also the content that you put out allows for us to like consume those conversations and just really be able to get perspectives on that, you know? So it's, so most people don't believe me when I say this, but um, I never intended to have children. Like I, I did not actually <laughs> really? want to have children. Yeah. And mind you, my kids know this now. So don't anybody email me talking about, you know, <laughs> oh, your poor kids. They all know. Um, they know that there's, I always tell them when I met their, when I met my son, there's a little magical button in the back of my brain that somebody flipped on and it was like, he's the coolest, you know, like I got super lucky. Um, but the, the the only sort of interesting side effect that that had before I had children is that I didn't have any expectations on how to be their mom. Mm. So I didn't say, oh, one day when I have kids or I can't wait to have, you know, I didn't have all of these preconceived notions. And because I didn't, I was actually able to approach parenthood completely differently. I just got to go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I got to decide what was best for me and best practices for me and mine. Um, and a lot of the, and looking back on it now, that's part of why it was so profound and that's why it was that's why it helped get me on this path so clearly yeah because in all other aspects of my life I was going by what other structures institutions people traditions had said I had to do like this is how you're this is how you're a woman this is how you're a woman in a job this is how you're a wife this is how you're a daughter like there were rules around all those things and I wanted to perform in those roles because I knew I would be in those roles one day, right? Um, but when it came to motherhood, I was like, I'm never having kids. I don't have to worry about that. 
and I so I mean so much so that I didn't even I didn't take birthing classes or anything. I was like, whatever. Oh, wow. I'm gonna take drug. Yeah, girl, I said I was gonna take the drugs, and then I went real fast. That never happened. Oh man, never happened. So I mean, but it it kind of made it super unique. And then even then, like, like so much so that my whole family on both sides, my husband's side and my side, were all colluding, going, okay, so who's gonna come stay with her because that kid is not gonna be able to survive if we leave it with her by its by herself. Oh man. And, Everybody was everybody was genuinely stunned when I had the when I had him and he was like thriving. Like my my parents, my parents sent me a Mother's Day card four years ago now. I, I keep it and we, we bring it out every year. And it's this beautiful Hallmark card with all this beautiful sentiment. And at the end, it says, we're so proud of the mother you've become. And in my dad's and in my dad's handwriting underneath it, it says never would have guessed it. <laughs> amazing I also it's also cool because you kind of said this but I just want to like really uh just connect the dots for the people listening right here like something that's cool is that when I was hearing you speak about going into motherhood with like zero anticipation of how you were like it has to look is kind of why I feel like the entrepreneurship journey was perfect for you and the marrying of the two it's like you got to go into this thing and figure out how it was going to look while you were doing it. Oh no, I lo- I think it's the thing I'm um the thing I love the most about what I'm doing right now is I get to make all the decisions, yeah. right? And I had always said, I don't know if I'm, you know, that girl. Like I said when you're when you're taught to be the person who turns their light down and plays, you know, plays in a smaller space, you don't want to upset anybody. So that yeah. means you don't make decisions. Mm-hmm. Um and then I started this and it was Every single thing was my decision. Do we want the logo in black and white? Um, and then you sometimes, like, there's sometimes there's even a split second where you think, oh, well, who's going to decide that? Oh, yeah, me. I'm going to decide that, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, and that's, I mean, for good and for bad. Yeah. If you're, you know, when you're working with the company and you're building this, like I've said many times, um, it's going to be slower for us to get where we're trying to go because I'm doing things differently. I need, I had to learn the rules of how entrepreneurship and podcasting and media works so I could break them. Um, so I could, you know, hire differently so that I could train people to make podcasts differently. So I could train, um, you know, so that we can make decisions for the good of the business that aren't just about, okay, how fast can we get to revenue, but maybe how fast can we build an engine that would be supportive of the women who work here? How can we create a pipeline for people? Um, That's all of those things come down to you get to decide every day how you want to represent that. And, and I don't take that. I I don't take that lightly that I have, you know, I have genuine um, power and the ability to execute that power on behalf of the things I say I want to do. Like, do you, you know, it's like, put your money, put your money where your mouth is. Do you want to hire more women? Do you want to see more women work in the industry? Hire women. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you want to see, um, more, you know, voices that are centered. Okay, you need to work on centering those voices. Hey, do you want people to be more empathetic producers? Then you need to teach them to be thoughtful humans and and be more concerned with relationship building in the upfront than actual capturing of audio and tape in the upfront. Yeah. Those things make a huge difference. Yeah, they do. And it's encouraging to hear, I know for me, and I'm sure for people who are listening, that piece about it's okay to go slow while you're making these intentional choices. Because I know I can be someone who gets caught up in like, oh my God, I should be getting this back to this person in like three days. <laughs> and like, if I'm not, like, they're going to think that I'm not serious about it. And it's like, or I'm just like, 
marinating on it to make sure that I'm approaching it in the best way possible. And that's something I have to remind myself of. But I, I appreciate hearing that. Well, I think it's especially if you do any of the kind of stuff that we do, if you're working not just for yourself, but for clients, mm-hmm. um, it's really important as, as a part of establishing a relationship that the client works with you, mm-hmm. not for you. Because when you know, like when a client when a client assumes that you work for them, yeah, then then it becomes a snap your fingers, you know, snap your fingers, do it this way, like jump, 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 how, 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 how fast. Mm-hmm. And when you work with them, you can set expectations, and the expectations are clear. Like, okay, here's our deadline, here's what we're going to work up to, and even being realistic about, okay, so what you've asked us to do is extensive. Three weeks isn't going to cut it. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Um, being able to, you know, manage, you know, the expectation of communication and how often you're going to see something or how much input you're going to have during a process is is important. But those things as a, you know, as someone who's providing a service, Mm -hmm. you get to it's, you know, it's a relationship that you're managing. And you have to be really thoughtful that that meant that that relationship benefits you as much as it benefits the client. Mm -hmm. Because if it doesn't, if it doesn't, it just winds up wasting time. It winds up costing you money. It winds up costing you real frustration. Mm-hmm. And it can damage a, a, what could be a potentially long-term relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just basking in the mentorship right now. That's, oh. that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I've learned. I will say I've learned. That we've, we've had lots of lumps. You know, the company in, in six years, we've done lots of things I'm really proud of. But we've also had some, you know, some real stumbles where we had to like at one point we had equipment that broke. Mm-hmm. It completely broke. And because I'm not super familiar, you know, I wasn't the greatest with equipment in the upfront. Yeah. I didn't realize it had I didn't realize that the, it was malfunctioning oh. until after we had recorded tape for clients. So we lost like a ton of tape oh, no. and had to go back to these people and say, okay, we lost your tape um, and you paid us. So we need to refund your money and we have to eat the cost of making sure you get your tape. So we're going to redo it. And if you don't trust our equipment, we're going to send you to a studio to do it. I mm-hmm. mean, it was yeah. disastrous. It was disastrous. And I had to, you know, there, that was like, okay, are you really in charge or not? And if this happened to you, what would you expect somebody to do for you to make it right? Mm-hmm. And even if you make it right, these people might not want to work with you anymore. And they might dog your name in the streets. There's yeah. nothing you can do about this. You, all you can do is be um, honest, yeah. transparent, apologetic, and fix it. Yeah. And we and we did. We're actually um, we actually still work with all those clients. I'm super proud of us. Oh, that's um, good. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was like. Yeah, there is no there is no moment that makes you feel more out of your depth than when you make a mistake yeah. at work. Oh, and yeah. then you're like, oh, I messed this up. This is this is bad. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe mm-hmm. are you? And then I had to really, you know, I just sort of recenter and go. It's one mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always try to remind myself anytime I'm having like a crappy day at work, I go, OK, what was the worst? What is the worst day we've ever had at work? Yeah. Like, what's the worst day? That's the that's the benchmark for all the other days. My worst day at work was when I fell at the tarmac at the airport working a part-time job <laughs> to fund this business and I broke my wrist in two places. No. <laughs> That's the worst day at work. There's no other thing that you could possibly throw at me that is as bad as me laying on the tarmac <laughs> in between two planes with my a wrist bent completely backwards with a bunch of people in the airline windows going, oh gosh, she oh, fell no. on the ground. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, if somebody could call me tomorrow and go, oh, Twyla, we, ta- we lost like six hours of tape. I'm going to say, oh, that sucks. But it ain't me falling on my ass at the airport, breaking my <laughs> wrist in two places. It ain't going to be a cast. 
it's good we can fix this oh man yeah no that's that's so important to remember and i 100 percent have had to sit myself down and be like you're freaking out way too much for the level of thing that you're freaking out for like it's fine it's gonna be fine and it's also when you do fuck up it's a in this type of work when you have clients it's a perfect practice in accountability like yes which is necessary (laughs) in all parts of life (laughs) yeah nobody i mean i'm not gonna say anybody loves being accountable i i don't love the i mean i don't i don't love it when something goes wrong and i have to you know and i gotta fix it i mean it's also part of being in the leadership sometimes the mistake happens and it's not your mistake yeah but you're you know one it's not you know i'm i'm the leader and to be a leader means that you look out for and protect your team yeah you'll address it in house yes you'll take care of it yes it won't happen again but that doesn't mean you go throw them and you know throw them under the bus for Mm -hmm. the sake of looking good or because you got to have somewhere for that that to happen i always say the buck stops with me good or bad so if you have a problem with something, you talk to me. If you have an issue with someone, you talk to me. If there is something we need to address, guess who you talk to? Me. <laughs> That's the whole reason I asked to be at this, you know, in charge of this company. That's why I built something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've been, in, you know, I've been there. I've been in administrative positions. I've been in work situations where I didn't have the same kind of protection or support from people that should have been looking out for me as I was coming up in career or as I was just working. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always make sure that if you're, I always try to be um, the best steward I can be of the time and energy people give me. And part of that is making sure that I'm looking out for all the people that are here. Yeah. Well, I have to say you answered basically what my final question was going to be for you before we got to the rapid fire three. So I think that's a perfect Uh place to transition. (laughs) No, I'm thrilled. It's wonderful. So we've reached the rapid fire questions and I'm excited to hear your answer to this first one, given that you have been named before to this question. So who would you name as like a podcast mentor or just someone you emulate in the podcast space? Okay, that's super easy. Um, There are two. (laughs) Uh, One, uh, Barry Syke is the smartest human in podcasting. I've said it in other places. I will say it again. (laughs) If you're not following her, you're crazy. If you're not listening to what she says, you're crazy. She's thinking 10 steps ahead of us. Always, always, always. She thinks so far ahead. So you have to... um, just spending time with her content online teaches you so much about how you're how we're not thinking deep enough about how this mechanism could work for all of us. Um, mm-hmm. And I've learned a ton from her, and I'm super grateful that she actually gave me her cell phone number, and I can actually just text her and bug her with questions now. <laughs> um, the the other person that I'm that I feel like I try to emulate in the space every single day um, uh, easily is Renee Richardson. Mm. Um, who runs Broccoli Content. She's yep. um, she's out of London um, because Renee says the stuff out loud that we say in our private rooms, in our private groups, in our safe space groups that we feel like we can't say in front of other people. Mm-hmm. Renee just says, uh-uh, if you don't say it out here in public, how's it going to get better? And then she says it and then she says it again. And then when somebody tries to challenge her on it, she goes, no, I said what I said. And you should probably get on to fixing it. And can, she just can. She's just the. I mean, she's one of the bravest voices that I know. Yeah. Not just in podcasting, but just in in. I would say in terms of leadership, entrepreneurship, business, she doesn't back down from the things that she believes in, and she genuinely believes that we all deserve better than this. Mm-hmm. And 
I sometimes wish that I um, was more cognizant in the moment. Sometimes I think the thing and I don't say it. And then later I like talk to somebody I trust and go, oh, I, I was thinking this the whole time that yep. this was happening, but I don't say it. Renee doesn't even hesitate. She just says it. <laughs> and I'm I'm aspiring all the time to get on that level and just make sure that there's no politeness to, you know, that there's that there's no like consequence filter yeah. that I put in place before I say the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because it's the right thing to say. She does that constantly. Yeah. Constantly. I was, for those of you who are listening and can't see me right now, just aggressively nodding throughout all of that. <laughs> because, well, first off, Barry and Renee are both totally co-signed that. I learned so much from both of them. And I'm hoping to have them on season two. They're on their top at my list of, of next next season as I wrap up season one. Um, and also just the that piece about... Like being in the moment and like not like, you know, you it's at least for me, like it's like, oh, I don't even realize I want to say this thing. I'm just someone who processes slower. And then I'll be like in the shower later and be like, I should have said this in this way. Like I missed that part and I wanted to say this. So I really like love seeing people able to do that in the moment. And I don't know. It's just something that's amazing to me. I'm like, ah, (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm a fast processor and I can catch it in that moment, but I've also been conditioned as a Gen X kid to just go, Mm. okay, that's not your business. Don't, don't (laughs) like somebody will say something and we'll be in like a, you know, we'll be in the Zoom or we'll be something, you know, we'll be in a clubhouse call and somebody will say something and literally I will say out loud because I'm muted. I'll be like, oh, sis, you shouldn't have done that. (laughs) And then I won't, but I won't say in the moment like, okay, let's not do that. You know, like I, I'll think, I'll be thinking that was messy, but I won't actually engage with it because again, and Gen Xers are, are taught, we've been taught, we're not trying to mess around with the system. The system's messy. We're just going to go over here and make a side door so we can slip in and out mm. and go on about our business. And Renee is so like of this new millennial, you know, just like, nah, screw that. The whole thing needs to get messed up. We just need to undo, we need yeah. to undo it all. So I, I, I love that. I just love that about people. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Okay. Next question is, if we were to look at your podcast queue and you're listening to non-work related podcast listening, what would we find on your queue? Um, gossip and garbage all day. I don't think I know. All that day. One. What's that one? Oh, no, uh, no, not that one. So oh. that's, a, no, that's, just a, that's just a category. Um, oh. I don't listen to. I'm like, I definitely okay, haven't so heard what, of that. Yeah. No, um, I will say this. I don't listen to um, like super high minded things on purpose because I spend a lot of my time trying to build out and concentrate and uplift voices. So when I'm just doing leisurely things, Mm -hmm. I kind of roll right back to um, the things that I find like a comforting sweater. Um, So the one part of the story I left out when I talked about the radio job is that I actually was a talk radio host at the only pop culture talk radio station in the country. So it used to be my job. Yeah, it used to be my job to talk about like Bieber and the Kardashians and all that stuff. That was my actual job. Um, I used to be able to like write off my capable and everything. It was awesome. Amazing. Um, so if you're uh, if you're looking at my queue, you're definitely seeing things like Keep It. Um, the Read was the first podcast mm. I ever listened to. I still listen to it, um, you know, consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if it's if it travels or is adjacent to like critical thinking about things that people don't take seriously i'm all for it so one of my favorite podcasts is switched on pop because they do such a good job of talking critically about pop music which most people treat as like 
useless, but they actually tell you about like the musical roots and how it's connected cool. to different styles and things like that. I, I love anything that takes um, that reframes something that people think is frivolous and actually gives it real, um, you know, gravitas. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I'm really excited to check that podcast out. I've never heard of it, but 100 percent. There's so much more to pop music than people like to say. And it also like shifts like what is considered pop music is ever-changing and yes. i don't think people realize that there's some really great conversations that they're having right now around you know like the genres of themselves um they talk about like syncopation you know things that you know m- things that you would not think have relevance to like just enjoying a pop song mm-hmm. they they i learn things when i listen to them and then i go back to listen to my music and i'm like oh, i caught that like i i caught the i caught that chord progression i caught that like that you know the the 90s like there's a whole two thing about 2000s like bridges and how they build up to a point and then they execute and mm-hmm. then it's like I, now like now i feel smarter and the thing is <laughs> and i get to feel smarter about something that most people would just be dismissive about there is a particular enjoyment in that when you when you can just like drop that knowledge <laughs> yeah i'm a i'm a big fan of um i don't believe in guilty pleasures i just believe in things that bring you joy and happiness mm-hmm. um and so anytime i just enjoy something and then i can actually like follow it through with actual like knowledge so that you're you're so you're just thinking oh so you're just you're just talking about like pop music today. And I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> and then I love there's like, there's always a moment where you talk to somebody and they realize like, oh, I underestimated that mm-hmm. or I underestimated you enjoying that. And I'm like, yep, maybe you should open <laughs> your mind a little bit. I love that. Okay. Well, and my final question is where can my listeners find you and how can they support the work you're doing? Oh, that's lovely. Um, they can always find me uh, on the internets. I'm Twyla Dang everywhere. Um, always because I'm vain and I like my own name. Uh, if you want to check out the shows, the easiest way to do that is go to the website. It's matriarchdm.com, like Matriarch Digital Media. Um, we're also on all the socials. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, I would love if you would go check out the shows. That That's like kind of my favorite thing. <laughs> um, and we definitely have a lot of um, wonderful things coming up. We've uh, we've we've definitely been in a growth year. Um, and so we have we have three new podcasts that are going to be coming out soon. Um, mm. We have our first ever actual genuine marketing campaign. We've never marketed the business publicly before. Ooh. It's always been word of mouth. So, yeah, um, yeah so we're creating some real opportunities um, here to actually put ourselves out into the world in a way we've never done that before. Mm-hmm. So I would love to have people come out and just check out the content, try us out, um, let us know what you think about it, um, share it with your friends. Um, you know, I any anything we can do to help support that would be fantastic. Um, and I'd also like to give a super quick plug out, uh, plug for kind of the volunteer stuff that we try to do yeah um we so women in podcasting is something that we started at matriarch it's meant to help women get more involved in the podcasting industry um you if you make something or considering making something you are a part of our industry and i want you to feel good about what you're doing uh so we meet once a month usually the second sunday of every month right now we're doing it on clubhouse we are going to go back to facebook we are going to go back to um doing things in zoom as well um but in the meantime come hang out with with us there it's a, usually a formal an informal ama um but we also try to teach lessons um and it's just a chance to get in a room ask your questions because there's no such thing as a silly question there's just questions you don't know the answers to and if we can get those answers for you then you can go make stuff and i want more women in the world making podcasts yes 100 percent. i'm glad you brought that up and i've been to 
multiple of those women in podcasting meetups, both Zoom and Clubhouse, and I always learn something. So definitely check them out if you're listening to this. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, Okay, well, we've reached the end and I truly could have just kept chatting with you for a whole other hour, but I had to have my, my editor brain on and know that we technically should not be doing that. But it was such a pleasure to speak with you today. Well, thank you so much for your time, dear. I, I'm, I was super excited when you said you wanted to talk. So this worked out great. Our original music is produced by Carrie Blue and everything else is produced by me, myself, and I, Miss Alexandra Cole. And you can follow me on Instagram at Podraland, P-O-D dot D-R-A-L-A-N-D, or Twitter at Podraland, minus the period. And you can find more of what I do on Podraland at www.podraland.com, where I recommend women-hosted podcasts and feature indie women podcasters. So I hope to see you there. Feel free to subscribe to the newsletter. You'll get recommendations and updates about this podcast. And finally, make sure to share this episode, tag us in it, like that shit, give us a review. Anything you do helps not just this podcast get more exposure, but also helps these women's voices be heard by way more people. And ultimately, that's our goal. So let's fucking do it. <laughs>